but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. All right, everyone, welcome once again, or welcome back, I guess you could say, to the Safe Place for Men. And this is your male survivor, resiliency, and leadership and development coach, Thomas Edward, coming to you from Sacramento, California. All right, so the last podcast, if, if you just heard it right, and I already told you that I was just going to break this up into uh, two podcasts. So then that way, you know, if like I said, if you're doing your 30-minute you know, workout, you could do your 30-minute workout, and then you could come and do a either the next day or whenever the second part of your 30 day, uh, 30 minute workout. So uh, I just kind of broke it up for you from that perspective. So uh, if you heard the first part, you know, of course, I was interviewed by a group, um, Rob Romance, of course, and Crush. And uh, their program is called What I Tell My Younger Self. So it's like when we got to that point where we've worked out of some of the things and here we are, what will we go back and tell our younger uh, self? And so uh, we just kind of did a just really nice, just candid conversation that we um, had about the, the subject and the things that I do. So once again, I'm just going to share the rest of that interview, of course, uh, with you. I hope you enjoy it. I hope maybe some things that are said that might help you, you know, on your journey. And then once again, don't forget that the next session, the next cohort's Cohort, cohort starts on August 19th. So we'll be starting out, of course, with the courses and then the coaching, the group coaching. So if that's something that you are interested in, you want to get your feet, whatever, a little bit wet and see how it works, you know, see how I work and, and, and coaching, you know, with us as, as a group and it's something that you're ready to do, then let's do it. Let's go ahead and stick our toe in the water uh, because then maybe we'll just fully jump in. We're like, oh, you know what? This isn't this isn't bad. This is comfortable, and so we'll start, you know, working on some of those things. I I get a joy out of it. You know, when I was listening to the, to the podcast, I'm like, man, I talk really fast sometimes. But that's because sometimes when I talk about the subject, I'm just so excited. And when I think about you know the opportunity of guys coming who are willing to work through the issues, they want to work through the issues. And they're not allowing anything to, to to stop them, right? I get excited because those are the type of people I want to work with. Those are the type of people that I want to coach. And there's some people, you know, they, they come in and they're just a little bit leery. But once they get going, they're like, wow, this is the greatest thing that I've ever, you know, done, you know, at this point in stage, whatever, of my healing journey. And so um, I, I hope that, um, like we said, April 19th, that there'll be some that are ready to do that. All right, guys. So here's the, the last or the second part of the interview. And so, like I said, I hope you get something from it. Yeah. And, but that's the way that I think now, I even just think from the perspective, you know, I, you know, they're like, why aren't you done learning? I'm like, no, cause there's more I can learn to help more people. Right. So more certification. Yes, exactly. It's never, it's never ending. Yeah. It, listening to what you were just saying kind of reminds me of something that Crush had mentioned uh, in one of our prior episodes about, you know, once you figure out kind of what it's called, what's your problem, you name it, you put a light on mm. it, and you can focus on it, then you can learn about it. And then you can research how to better your situation or how to grow from it. 
And it kind of seems like that's what you are doing is you are you're pinpointing, okay, this is an issue with my body. Well, I'm going to learn about how to fix the body. This is an issue with my mind. Let's learn about fixing the mind. Yeah. And it's, it's really great. And I, I I like how it all kind of ties back into some, some of the things we've discussed on prior episodes. And um, it seems like that's exactly what you did. And you didn't stop there. Not only did you learn about what was going on, you, you went way past that to encompass all of it. So yeah, and and what I what I enjoy about it is that <clears throat> what I get is, and I I hear this so many times, and, and I get it, guys. They say, well, and I'm not knocking therapy or anything because I did it too, but they're like, man, they're like when I work with you, it's like we're accelerating, right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah. The the reason that we're accelerating is because we're getting down to the to the nitty gritty, right? And so we're putting it out on the table. And it's like it's almost like I'm asking you to to jump, but you know that I'm still holding you. Right. Right. And so when you've got that, it's like, okay, yeah, you're holding me. So, yeah, I'll jump. Let's let's explore this. This, Let's see where this is going to go, because there's someone there supporting you. And that just really like you guys, like we've said before, it just speaks to the whole idea of community. Right. That's that's what we're, we're here for. And uh, to me, that's that's really important to me. I always think of this, this, which each person that I work with, I think of it as my family is getting bigger. It, it's yeah. it, it's expanding and, and getting bigger. And that's the way that I really, really think of it and, and look at it. You know, some of these guys and I don't I don't force people and stuff, but some of these guys that I've worked with and I've been doing this for 20 years have become family for me. Right. And so it's great. And they're in different countries. And so I'm flying around to Canada, New Zealand, whatever. And we're coming together. But, you know, it's like putting that out there and creating what you want. And I wanted to create family because because of the abuse, I kind of didn't have family. And so I'm like, okay, so how do I go about this? Well, I create my family consciously. So, yeah. Right. Taking that the personal route, you know, you're, you bettered yourself and, and now you're allowing other people into what you have learned to help yourself in your, it, to me, it sounds like a very personal healing experience and you're welcoming other people into that experience. And I think that allows them to become like family and to become, to build that trust with you because you're not just you know, I'm going to speak very generally here and I'm not trying to put down therapists, but many times you you know, people decide, oh, I'm going to be a therapist. I'll go to school and do this and do that, and I'm going to help people. Well, they they more or less are chasing a career. Yeah. It's not exactly – it's all for the right reasons, and I'm sure the intentions are there. But in your situation, it's very personal. Yeah. It was your journey to get out of everything that you went through, and now you want to use that to help other people do the same. And I think that is probably where I just love that you're building a family. I think that's where that trust and that camaraderie and that family relationship can come into play because you take it all you know, into your heart and do it, do it from your heart. And I think that's – I love it. And it's funny because that's – the research is starting to show more that people are actually – getting more effective healing from that perspective. Yeah, there are people that are out on the spectrum. It's like sometimes people are working with me, and I'm like, okay, but if you're still dealing with, you know, flashback night terrors and stuff, we need to get you to a a psychiatrist, a therapist, right? Um, 
But if you're not experiencing, I'm going to say those post-traumatic acute things, and you're just dealing with CPSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, and so you're dealing with the stuff like, you know, low esteem, a few other things, I'm like, then this is the perfect place, right, for for that. And I've just found that coaching actually helps to to accelerate that. Well, and, and certainly community is a big piece of not only preventing, but healing PTSD and, yes. and the symptoms. But just from what it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your approach and the way you're going about this, both, again, from your personal experience and bringing it through professionally now, mm-hmm. one of the advantages, I think, that your system has over, say, traditional talk therapy, especially for men, stereotypically, is is that there's, it seems like there's a lot of action being taken. Yes. Pinpoint the problem, take action on it. Yes. Pinpoint the problem, take action. Yes. And men, again, stereotypically tend to be very action-oriented. Yes. We want to fix the problem. We don't want to just talk about it for months. Yeah. No, and you're right. And a lot of guys, they'll say that. And I say, well, why? And I say, you've been doing therapy for seven years. Why you come to me? Because he's like, when I come to you, we're working through solutions. And so he said, it's not just the abuse, but it's like, okay, I've got this issue in my life. So what are some things that we can collaborate on that might help move me forward? And that's what coaching is about. It's like, it's about trying to find, you know, solutions. So we're dealing not just with the past, we're dealing with what's going on right now. And then how do we move forward? And I think, I I think I'm just going to say from the way that maybe we're wired or even socially conditioned as guys, I think that approach might just work a little bit more for us because we've kind of got those milestones that we can look back and we can see, oh, I've come this far, this far, so we can actually see the progress. Yeah, yeah I'll, and, I'll never forget something. One of my, it was my first therapist told me we were several months in. We had finally kind of unpacked everything and started working through it, and I was just having a particularly bad day because we weren't making the progress I thought we should in that moment. And I remember voicing that to her, and she tells me she goes, "Well, listen, you're climbing a mountain." She goes, stop every now and again and turn around and look at where you came from. Yeah. Look at everything you've done. Look at all that you've achieved. You're not where you want to be yet, but look at what you have done already and use that to fuel you as you push further up. Yeah. Because the view as you get higher and higher gets better and better and it's more and more worth it with every step. Yeah. But here's the power that I've, that I've noticed. So when I do this and I do some workshop and stuff, so I had one workshop the, that I've working with and these guys, and that's why I say creating family. That's the cool thing about it. Cause they've gone through several phases together, right? Several workshops together. And so they're there and they're sitting there around in the circle and they're commenting to each other, the growth that they've seen in each other. And you should just see the way that everyone's face is, is lit up because you know, I'm, they're thinking, well, I haven't really made that put much progress and everyone else is saying, but no, this is what we see. We remember when you first started this and how you were, man, look how much you've, you've grown. And, and so once again, external source taken in, believed, received, accepted, continues to be the internal force that drives. And that's what it does. Yeah. And as, as we all know, we don't see our changes as much as other people do. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with weight loss, same thing with any sort of progress. You look in the mirror and you're like, ah, oh, well, I mean, I look a little bit better, but maybe not, <laughs> you know, and you start criticizing yes. your thoughts. And, but then you get someone else going, you know, you walk up and they're like, hey, you look great. You're like, really? Okay, yeah. I can run with that. So, yeah, I, the power of having that community and having that support from one another, it can't be underestimated. It's really great that you kind of let that work to each other's advantages. And I mean, it's, it's a wonderful system. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that, um, 
at least when I'm working with survivors, is this and um, and then maybe once again, like we said, maybe it's because we're we're guys and we want to be able to kind of pick pieces. But one of the things I do is when I'm working with guys, we go into a little bit of the the neuroscience and stuff because then it it helps. And so, like when we're talking about you know trauma and stuff, and I'll you know share with them, you know, yeah, that trauma actually, especially at an early age, actually alters your brain. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, why can I get over this loop? Why do I have these, you know, hypervigilant things that are taking place? And I'm like, well, that's because your broca is broken. <laughs> they start laughing. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, your broca is, is broken. So therefore you keep looping, right? And they're like, oh. And so then, you know, we'll just jump into a little bit of you like, okay, well, your PFC, which is your prefrontal cortex, that's the thinking part of you, right? Then there's the ACC, and that's your emotion regulatory center. And then you got your fear, you know, center with the amygdala. And once you just give them just a little breakdown of these different type of things and they start, oh, okay, then it starts to remove some of that like, well, I'm not worthy because I can't get over this. I keep looping or I keep going back, you know, whatever, and doing this again. But then they start understanding the neuroscience and like, oh, that's what's going on. You got it? Yep. Now we got the insight. Okay, so now let's figure out where we need to throw the wrench in so that we can break the loop, right? And Right. Th- it's, instead of being this mystical, you know, kind of vague, nebulous, emotional thing, mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, this is a concrete scientific thing. Yes, we're putting a name to it, and I'm explaining. Now you know the mechanism for why this is happening, which makes it so much easier yes. to contextualize and start dealing with without the guilt or the shame or that weight on your shoulders. Of like, oh, this is my fault. Yes, yes, and that's because so many times they've been told that it's their fault. Right? Oh, you're just a weak human being. Oh, you know, your character. You have character flaws. And I'm like, well, no. The reason you actually want to pick up that cigarette again because this is being triggered in the brain of <laughs> and the cortex, right? And so you got all this dopamine that's being released and the brain is asking, where is it? And so that's it's running back to the pattern. The brain always runs back to what it knows the place it's going to get the pleasure from. And it's right. like when you start understanding that, then you're like, oh, that's what's driving the urges. It's like, oh, this is going to hit you on day number five. Like, well, why? Because that's how the brain works. So let's be prepared when day five gets here. What are we going to do different? Okay, that, that kind of led into my next question, so I'm glad you said that. I was oh. going to say, okay, now you know the science, now you know the mechanism, well, then how do you intervene? And I, again, I think you just answered that. You just prepare. You be prepared for it, and you, you know it's coming. Yes. So you put up a little extra reinforcements and maybe get that support system in place to help you through that hard time. Yes, and you celebrate yeah. the failures, because I don't expect you to get it right the first time. That's That's the thing, right? So and that's why I said celebrating the failures is is really important. When we celebrate it, then it's like, okay, it, it kind of knocks, a, I'm going to say, some of the power off of it. It's like, okay, so I didn't get it that time. It's just like, oh, you didn't get it. Your failure is like, okay, you didn't get it. All right, so we're going to try it again, right? Right, I didn't get it that time, but what did I learn? Right, exactly, yeah. How can I do better for the next attempt? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you didn't have that support in place. And so now you say, okay, next time I'm going to have, you know, my friend with me or next time I'm going to call somebody. Yeah. And all that does is that just works with the whole what we call habit forming. So understanding what the trigger is or the cue is, understanding what the reward is, because the brain's always looking for the reward. And then I can move whatever the routine. That's the variable that I can move around. I can do whatever routine. But as long as I understand what the cue, the trigger is and what the reward is at the end, then we can throw the wrench in, in in the routine and do something different. 
That's powerful. That's awesome. Yeah, it really does seem to be about just educate and understand what is going on just mm-hmm. at a basic level, yeah. what and why, and then shift the perspective so that you can change the behavior. Exactly. Totally. Totally. Right. And, and so and kind of when you break it down that way, all of a sudden it's not nearly as scary or intimidating. It's yes. A lot of work. Yes, exactly. It is a lot of work, but it's, but it's easier. Right. And so that's when people ask me like, why are you still going to school? I'm like, this is why, because I'm trying to take all this stuff that seems, you know, convoluted and whatever and just breaking it down and making it simple so that you can use it and so that you can accelerate your healing i mean it's it's that age-old saying right you fear what you don't understand yeah yeah you do but fear is still energy i always tell people that so then let's go with it (laughs) use it yes use it yes What's the old John Wayne quote about, uh, you know, courage is not, not never being afraid. It's being afraid and saddling up anyway. Yes. Yes. Fear's fine. Make that fear work for you because that's how you know you're going to be at the top of your game. Yeah. Use that you energy. Know, I mean, every time I've had major fear dumps in a bad situation, it's made me better mm. because I've learned how to use it instead of let it use me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I think the Thanks other. People exactly like you teaching me. <laughs> And I think the other element to consider, and, and we all know it because we've been there, is just allowing ourselves to be vulnerable yeah, and understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable. And that is in a very, you know, male-centric arena that is very difficult, um, you know, because from a very young age, we're, we're kind of taught to be tough, you know, don't don't do, do, you know, it depends on parenting, obviously, but, you know, don't cry, get up, shake it off, you know, all the things that went into toughening us up. And as a parent, I find myself doing it to my kid. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right there too. It's like, Hey, you're all right, get up. But when it comes down to, to these really emotional hardships, the only way to, to allow for that healing to start is to allow yourself to show that vulnerability and allow someone else to come in and help. Yeah. And I think that's key. What you said, you know, even about, you know, when we're working with our, with our kids and stuff and, you know, sometimes we do find ourselves, especially as men, like, okay, come on, you know, whatever, shake it off. As opposed to saying, okay, here's your moment. Allow yourself to experience what you need to experience. Now let's figure out what we need to do next. Right. Well, I think that's the key is, is finding a way to show, for the purpose of this conversation, young boys or young men, mm-hmm. vulnerability is the path to strength. Yes. That's how, I mean, all of my strongest points are the points where I used to be weakest and I got my, I got my butt kicked over and over and over again until I got wise and learned how to be vulnerable and learned how to address those things. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like what you said. And that's the thing that I think we have to re- reframe. I'm going to say what has been distorted where vulnerability really is a strength. It's not a weakness. It's something that it's a little hard to wrap your mind around. I I was very hard, you know, not only starting all of these discussions with the podcast, but also with my struggles personally, allowing people into my life and to see the hurt and the pain that was inside was probably the biggest barrier that I had. Mm. And then the moment you realize not only after they see it, do they stick around, but they, they willingly want to help you. And it was such a turning point in my mental health journey to understand that showing that vulnerability is a positive thing. 
it's it's, it's yeah. interesting as I'm, I'm listening to you guys i'm like man we've like we've been friends for like 15 years <laughs> as we're just sitting here talking i'm like i want to be in a room with you guys you know what i mean it's like it's like this is this is this is awesome i mean that's the next thing i'm working on but you know it's one of my dreams also is just to have like maybe 10 guys and to, and we just come together and this is just our our mission to be vulnerable right And so we have an opportunity to come, whatever, meet at whatever, some retreat place and just like three days of just being vulnerable and just being ourselves. Right. And uh, so you can count me in for that enthusiastically. Okay. (laughs) You know, I think that's an important lesson as well. You know, when on the topic of vulnerability, especially as it comes to men, is that being vulnerable with other men is is a fast track to building at least a, a strong foundation for yes. a friendship or a relationship mm-hmm. whether it be professional personal whatever having that vulnerability is is the way to to build those bonds you know you you come onto our show and you've bared your soul and you're sharing these very deep personal things and as a result um you know i think i can speak for for romance on this and that you know we feel closer to you yeah we want to know more about you we want to be more more open to you now because you've given us that first little bit. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, that's something, you know, I've learned in the last 10 years when I went from being, you know, sort of a very closed off emotionally stunted, you know, quote unquote tough guy type of character Mm -hmm. to building that emotional intelligence, surrounding myself with people who helped push me into that healthier mindset. Yeah. And I have less relationships now, but the ones I have, are such higher quality yes they're not shallow more open exactly yeah yeah well and and to that point of surrounding yourself with you know those people you'll find that you know what i i never thought before starting this podcast that i would find so much in common with all our guests and everyone that i talk to and you know even some of the guys in my life who are like hey i totally get it Mm mm-hmm when you, uh, uh, um, res- what's the word I'm looking for? When you project that kind of attitude and that overall persona, you attract other people into your life who will support that. Yes. And, and just like what you were saying, when you have that tough guy mentality, guess what? You're going to ha- kind of surround yourself with other tough guys. Yeah. And- you really need to invite into your life the people that you want surrounding you, the people who can lift you up, not the people who are going to push you down. Yeah. No, I, I totally believe that, that you do create your world, but you have to be willing to be vulnerable because someone else is wants to be vulnerable, but you have to kind of be the ripple, right? The, the chain reaction. Wow, wow this, this guy is being, being open. He's sharing. And there's always a risk. That's the thing. I mean, I've had, you know, Places where I, I shared and I get it, people, they weren't ready for it. They couldn't handle someone talking about that. And that's on them. Right. And, and I get it. Some people can't handle it. But what it did, it started to weeding out those that could handle. Right. And then it helped me to start creating, I'm going to say, that family that I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting because especially now that word is kind of getting around about our podcast between my friends, family and everyone in between, you know, people approach me now and say, hey, so I heard you had a podcast. What's it about? And I get one of two reactions. I either get, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I get, oh, my gosh, 
that's so amazing. I want to know more about it, you know, and, and that's exactly what you're going to get from the person that you are. You're, yeah. you're, you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to invite. And, and I guess the other way around, people aren't always going to accept your invitation to be part of that world. But the people that do are going to get so much out of it and they're actually going to help you as well. Yeah. And I think of it from this perspective, and it's kind of like what you guys said, you know, the tough guys out there. There are some tough guys out there that want to be vulnerable and they're just waiting for someone else to show that vulnerability. Yeah, they're yeah waiting. I spent so much of my time as a counselor and peer support working with law enforcement and military guys, typically mm. quote unquote tough guys, you know, including guys up to, you know, the, the, the special forces groups Yeah, who, um, I, I always found it really interesting. And, and the, the way they came to me was because I was being vulnerable. Yeah. And so through that, either they would get referred or they would see what I was saying and they would reach out. And we would have these conversations where, you know, the first couple hours was very much the, you know, the macho tough guy locker room talk. Yeah. And before long, they start dropping little breadcrumbs and they kind of see if you'll follow up. Yeah. It's so like I've opened the door for that, for that vulnerability. And now they're kind of like dipping a toe in. Yeah. And you can't grab them and pull them in. You got to you got to just gently let them know, like, no, it's fine. Come on. You're good. Well, it's interesting. To, I'll, I'll share with you. So I, I had one group that I was working with, and I didn't know. It was kind of like a band of brothers, right? And so they were armed forces, Marine, whatever. And so we get there, and then I find out this. I'm like, oh, no. You know, I got all these tough guys here. And so I get up, and I say, look, here's the thing. I say, you can tell me anything that you want to, whatever, from your past, anything that's happened to you. And it will not make my hair fall out. Of course, I'm bald, right? So, 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 so they started <laughs> laughing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they started laughing. I said, "But here's the thing," I said, "If you leave here and you take it back with you, then it goes back with you. But if here in the group you share and you put it out, then it stays here and you don't have to take it back home, right?" And that yeah. was the moment that those guys started opening up, right? I had to play tough guy for a bit there, but yeah, that's, that's what it was. Sometimes you got to speak to people in the language they understand, yeah. you know? And I mean, a, a conversation that I, I know uh, Rob and I've had, and, and I've, I have in my personal life with people all the time is, you know, exactly like you guys are talking about, about, you know, kind of once you start vulnerability and you start doing that emotional work and that, that kind of deep work, um, you start recognizing other people that are either going to be receptive or that are, also doing that. Mm. And, and I always just call it people that are doing the work. Mm -hmm. And once you've done it and you kind of get into that, you can start just in basic conversations. You can see the people that are doing that work, being vulnerable, being as self-aware as they can really trying yeah. to be better. Yeah. To face down whatever their traumas and challenges are. Yeah. And, and at least in my experience, again, very limited anecdotal experience, but those are the people that will allow you, to build a very deep relationship with them. Yeah. That's where you can build that real value and that real community and that real family, because those are the people that are, that are, they're open to it. Yeah. They're looking for it. And even when they want to punch you, I've had, I've had that before, you know, guys are working through and they just, I'm like, Oh, that's okay. I know martial arts, so you can punch me if you want to. But, um, but like, it's like what happens is they become angry because now they're seeing all this stuff and you're the one that helped bring it to the forefront. Right. right. And it's a, it's a nat, it's a natural response. And I said, just, just go ahead. I mean, I had one guy I was working with and so we're sitting down and we're just, you know, we're working through stuff and then I'm sitting there and I'm chewing a piece of celery 
and his he's starting to ball his fist and whatever coming up. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, close your mouth when you're eating. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, where is this? Where is this? Where is this coming from? Right? He's like, I can hear everything. And I was like, okay, so let's just just talk about this a little bit. I let him go away and come back. I'm like, where does this come from? And then he's like, that was the mom part of me. He's like, and the abuse and stuff coming out, and that was my mom always saying. I'm like, ah, got it, right? And so it's just interesting, you know, when you are working with people, you have to be ready for sometimes it's the reactions that actually happen. But once again, reaction is energy and that energy needed to be let out. Right. So I didn't take it personally. I'm just like, I'm curious. Oh, where is this coming from? And the other element that needs to be considered in any sort of large life changing decision is. They have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You make that decision for them. And they will only make that decision when they are ready. But Correct. until they are ready to change, all you can do is keep trying. But you're never going to be able to make it happen. Yeah, I just let them know that I'm open. I'm I'm here, right? Because then for me, from my perspective, I'm like, okay, if this person isn't ready right now, that's okay. But there's other people that might be at that point where they're ready. Right. Yeah. And so then I can, you know, work with other, but I always keep the door open. I'm like, but when you're ready, when you, when you're at the point, uh, I, I'm here. Right. So then we can start working on it then. And sometimes, you know, people, you know, they need a little bit of, of a break. And I always, always do that. I tell people, okay, you know what? You just need to take either the stuff that we've worked on and, you know, for six months, just come back after six months and see how we've been doing. Right. And, uh, that works well too. Yeah, but they've got to want that change in their heart. Yeah, for it to well, and and sometimes all you can do is just put the ideas in their head. Right, plant those seeds. Plant the seeds. Yeah, sometimes all you need to do. Yeah, and hopefully they'll grow. Hopefully something will stick. I mean, you know, like we've talked about with the sunrise theory. A lot of times I'm talking to people about it because I can see that's a theory they could find some use for Mm -hmm. when they're ready. Yeah, and so it's here. I'm just going to put this in the back of your mind, and hopefully, if you ever have to face that crisis moment it'll pop up and it'll give you just enough to hold on for a little longer and make a different choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, totally agree. So I had one more kind of, Oh, go ahead, Crash. Well, I was just going to ask, ask a question uh, yeah, regarding ahead. in my experience in the last, you know, 10 plus years that I've really been deep into the mental health world um, specifically, you know, as it relates to males and first responders and kind of that Avenue. I've seen such a growth and an improvement in the way that this is being discussed within male circles, within these quote unquote tough guy circles and, and just general societal acceptance of men with mental health issues with, um, you know, really developing those emotional skills. Those stereotypes seem to be breaking down quite a bit. Is that something you've noticed as well, Tom? Okay. So this is, this is funny because what I've noticed over the 20, 20 years, it cycles. And um, cycles. Okay. it cycles and it, it often cycles. Uh, this is interesting to, to say it, it cycles on what's going on in the culture. Right. So I've noticed that when we have kind of the tough guy culture, there's kind of this going back in towards self. Right. But then when we have the culture more that might be just a little bit more open to whatever ideas are talking about this, these things, then it seems to expand. I remember my first implode was when Oprah Winfrey did her first one in 2010 on male survivors. She did her shows. Right. And once she mm-hmm. did that show, 
my phone started ringing off the hook and my email started because here it was, it was getting major attention, but in a way that someone was talking about it and saying that it was, it was okay. Right. You know, and I've even made some of friends from some of the doctors and stuff that were on, on that show that, that I work with. I'm the psychologist. And so it opened up and then I noticed it was probably about maybe six years later and just depending on what's going on in the culture, then it kind of shrinks back in on itself. So now we're starting to come to a point where it's, it's shrunk for a while, but now it's starting to open back up again, uh, which, which is great. And I think that also has to do with the generations that are coming. I'm noticing, uh, you know, my whole thing would be, man, I would love to get you before you're 65, before you're 55 earlier. Right. And so now I'm starting to notice that the younger generations are like, okay, I got some stuff that was going on from being sexually abused. Let me start seeking out something. And so now I'm noticing the age, like I'm getting 25, 30, 35, which is, which is great. Right. Cause I'm like, you got more life to live now if we started working on it now. So. Right. Right. Less, but, less pain to carry, less trauma to carry with you if we can start working on it earlier. Yeah. Well, I think it compounds in either direction, right? It's either going to compound Agreed. in a positive nature or it's going to compound in a negative nature. And you just have to find that pivot point to make it positive. And like you said, yes. hopefully sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's a big influential nature that brings it this into the light? Or do you think it's a generational thing? Well, right now we stand we stand on the shoulders of the women. That That's really... Because, you know, when they started, you know, sharing their stories and stuff, it started the story, the conversation for then the guys to literally say, you know, me too. This this happens to guys, you know, also. And it started to help to remove some of the stigma and stereotypes that were out there. Now, we still have a lot of those, you know, that are left, but, you know, we're progressing. We're, we are moving forward. I mean, even that we're talking about this now on your podcast, right, mm-hmm. is, is a testament you know, that things are changing and, and shifting. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it's, well, so, and, and, you know, I know certainly it's helpful to see yeah. off the back of the Me Too movement and all of the things these, these courageous women have done to bring light and build these conversations in a public space. And then you see a man like Terry Crews come out and talk about his experiences. Yeah. Very clearly, very directly. Here's how it affected me. Yeah, I look this way. I'm a big, muscular, you know, yeah. successful, charming man. Yeah. But this is what happened to me, and this is how I've had to deal with it. Yeah. And to show that even a man like him can be, you know, quote, victimized like this and, and have to deal with that trauma and have to deal with people not believing him, people not supporting him, it, it, it makes it a real thing for a lot of men to see it so publicly. Yeah, I agree. You know, that, well, that term representation com- comes up. It's somebody representing this experience that a lot of men have dealt with in the shadows. And it's something that I think I mentioned on the very first episode of this podcast. I don't care who you are, whether you're Terry Crews, The Rock, or me. Everybody has gone through a trauma or more in their life. It may be different degrees. It may be, you know, different elements of, you know, whether it be abuse or verbal or what have you. But every single one of us is a human being. And if you tell me that you haven't gone through any sort of trauma in your life, I completely disagree. Yeah. And so <laughs> that representation is very important because it's it's influential. 
right? Terry Crews is very influential and he's going to speak to a lot of young people and a lot of old people as well. And so I, I definitely commend him for that. But I think it's important to realize that we have all felt that pain and it may not be yes. as prolonged as others. It may not be as strong. You know, it's all subjective, but we have all felt that pain regardless of who yes. you are in society. And and here's the thing, especially if you're listening to this, because sometimes we think that things need to look a certain way. And I, I'll tell you right now, I have worked with some very what we would call high functioning individuals that just have deep trauma, like all over the place. Right. And so I'm talking about, you know, athletes that you guys would know if I said their their names or even celebrities. And just because they're high functioning or it looks like they're high functioning out here on the outside doesn't mean that that's what's going on on the inside. Oftentimes that high functioning is what they're doing is they're overcompensating Mm -hmm. for not dealing with the real issues that are going on, you know, underneath. So if you're listening, you're thinking, well, you know, because of Terry Crews or whatever it looks like, look, let me tell you, like you said, people have their issues. And just because you see on the outside, it looks like they're high functioning doesn't mean that they are dying on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's this and, really and powerful. Huh, go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Sorry. I'll just real quick note. There's this very pow- powerful meme going around the internet. I see it on Instagram all the time, but it shows all the comedians and celebrities who have taken their life. Yeah. And it says, this is what depression looks like. Yeah. And it's amazingly like informative, just that one little picture, because it's so true from the exterior. Like you said, they may be high functioning. They actually may look successful and happy, but what's inside is so much stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll even, I'll even share well, this. There was one comedian that I worked with and you guys would know. And I asked him, I said, you know, what's going on? He says, the reason I'm so funny is because I have to use it to cover up all the pain that was going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and, you well, know, especially for, for a ahead. culture like ours that is so celebrity focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're so fixated on celebrity and wealth and these public figures. And, and we, in our own way, we idolize them and we sort of deify them. And it, it's, it's not a healthy way to look at what are at their core regular people in a public world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to have, have, you know, folks like Terry Crews or Demi Lovato or, you know, whoever else coming out and talking about these struggles the way, quote unquote, normal people do is such a powerful thing. Yeah. You know, just because you're living in that ivory tower, you know, surrounded by gold and jewels and, and people to, to, you know, wait and serve on you doesn't mean you're not affected by trauma. doesn't mean you don't feel these things. doesn't mean that, that the real world is not going to creep in and beat you up from time to time. And seeing and I, them be real people and seeing them be vulnerable. Again, there's that word. Yeah. It helps so many of us realize that, yeah, this is just a thing that happens and we need to deal with it in a healthy way. Yeah. Well, what a hard position for them to be in, too, right? Yeah. Now they have this magnificent persona to uphold, and then they need to take that risk of telling the truth and, and sharing their heart. And I, I commend them in many ways for coming out and speaking the way they did, because I can't imagine that was an easy decision, even right. remotely. Yeah. And then here's the thing, though, too, even when we're talking about trauma, because I know some people are listening like, well, I haven't been, you know, sexually abused or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. It could be just a small little thing. So let me give you an example. I was I was working with the female CEO of a business, 
And she, she, she'd been with this company, like from the ground up and they built, it, it was like an eight figure, whatever business. And so she had employees like this, um, this tight, this, this lean crew. And so she hired me because they had gone from eight figures to seven figures and she couldn't figure out. She's like, the economy is lit. I don't know what's going on. And she had even fired like members, whatever of her sales, her sales team. Right. But it didn't make much of a difference. And she said she could just feel that something was amiss that she couldn't put her finger on it. So I was doing, we we're doing some deep coaching with her, you know, during one session and she had recently had like a family reunion. So she was talking about, you know, seeing the relatives and when she saw them and sharing all these funny stories and, and reminiscing. And so then when I'm, I'm like, oh, I see something here. So I, you know, I seized the opportunity and asked for permission. I said, hey, do you mind if we go a little bit deeper? And so I asked her, I said, you know, in your, in your family, what was the, the financial and economic situation during your childhood? And she said, oh, man, you know, we were dirt poor. My grandparents came up during the Dust Bowl, you know, in the 1930s. I mean, my parents, they were we were just raised to be frugal. And so then I, I questioned her. I said, so, you know, when your parents raised you, what were the messages about money that you received? And she's like, well, you know, they were tightwads and, you know, they had to be in order to survive. And so I said, like, well, so what's the one message that you received about money? And she started reflecting and she's like, you know what, it's. It's strange. My parents were tightwads, but my grandmother wasn't. And she says, I remember I was helping my grandmother, like clean the house, whatever, one day, just doing some some strenuous yard work at her place. And so she says, you know, we were always taught to be industrious, you know, not to be idle hands, whatever, or the devil's workshop. And so she said, my grandmother gave me a dollar for helping her. Right. And like she says, of course, being a kid, that felt like a million dollars. Right. But. And so I said, well, you know, how, how did it feel to help grandmother and to get that little dollar? She's like, it's wonderful. And I could just see, you know, the expression, whatever, all in her face. She knew that her grandmother was being generous. And so she was just lighting up all over the place. And then suddenly, like, her, her whole just body and stuff shifted. And I said, what's going on? She says, well, you know, I, I ran home excited, waving that little dollar over my head. Look, look, look what grandma gave me for helping her. And then she says her parents slightly frowned and said, why did you ask grandma for, for money for helping her? We don't charge relatives or people money when they need help. And I could tell her whole posture was deflated. Right. And so then I asked her the question. I said, huh? I said, so then how does it feel being a CEO of an elder care business that charges people money that are similar to your grandmother's age? And she said, horrible. And that was her insight. Wow. That was her insight. She had realized what was what was going on. It had been she had been neglecting even the sales division from this old, insignificant, unconscious imprint that was sitting there. So please don't think that you're like, well, you know, I don't have anything because I wasn't sexually abused and stuff. It could be even just the smallest of, of things. Kind of that pain I was referring to. I'm just generalizing it to pain. We've all felt it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think that that's such an important lesson. And I know it's it's something that I've heard over and over again of people that are talking to me about whatever they're going through, and they go, "Oh, but it's nothing compared to what you went through." And I go, mm. "What I went through doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is what you went through, and even more importantly, how did it affect you? Because that's the key, right?" Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about what happened, but you can do something about how it's affecting you. And and what I've learned is that the the results, regardless of what the trauma is or how severe, the results are often at least similar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I've never seen a correlation between the severity of the trauma and the severity of the outcome that's consistent. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about trauma. What we really realize is that trauma is, I'm going to say, learned responses. And that's really what we're, we're, we're dealing with. We're, we're learning to, well, how did we respond to whatever, what happened? And so once again, that brain learns. And so that's how it continues until you give it other options to whatever deal with the pain. Oh, so I learned to deal with it this way. So that's the response that I continue to use until something comes along and shows me, well, wait a minute, there's another way to do this that's more healthier, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to say again that your approach and hearing you talk about it is is really refreshing and and powerful to me because so much of your approach is very practical. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Find the problem, find where it comes from, and then figure out what it's going to take to either solve it or improve it. Yeah. And that that's such a direct and and you know simple approach, not easy but simple. You know, it's it's a clear path, and I I just think that's for for a lot of people, especially you know people like we've talked about, whether they be you know these these CEOs and powerful people who have accomplished a lot, you know, and and are just busy busy go go go, mm-hmm. or whether it be someone who spends all of their time introspective and thinking, that's an effective tactic. That's an effective technique. Yeah. But that's and it de- it demystifies it all. Yes. And that's personal though, because I don't want you sitting around five, ten, fifteen, seven years when we can work through this and give you your life back, you know. So Exactly. Yeah, that's, I, that's a I big message it. through it all. And you know, it's one of the things I, I don't like to use the word regret, but one of the things I reflect about my past is I feel like something you said at the beginning of this conversation is you feel like you could have pulled out of it sooner and how much growth could have happened had that happened. Now Mm -hmm. I don't, again, I don't regret because I've built into the person I am today, but I I'm 100% on your side. The sooner we start the, the the more life you can live. Yeah. 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 And then the more life that other people around you get to live, family, kids, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not the only ones affected. That's right. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful conversation. It's amazing that we've been speaking for an hour already. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> you know what, guys? If Whenever you want to have me back, you just let me know, and I'm here. We can oh, keep absolutely. it going. <laughs> I mean, I'll have you to know, talk to the boss. You can tell he's kind of a tough guy, but, uh, yeah, I support that. I would love to have you back. I think there's a lot more we can learn from each other. Uh, no, and, and I think Crush will agree. The guests that we've had have been spectacular, and, and you're no exception. And we we got to find a way to circle back around and, and get more conversation because I think it's so beneficial. And, and I, I really want to thank you for being here today. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. And I wasn't joking about that one thing we talked about. So maybe, you know, think about that in the, in the back of your mind. If you're like, yeah, you know what, that'd be cool if we could meet whatever once well, a year. I mean, or it's, something. it's something that, you know, Rob's been talking about a little bit about trying to find ways to, to connect more, whether it be through Clubhouse or Discord or wherever. Yeah. And down the road, being able to do something in person, yeah. especially yeah. with somebody like you, I think would really, I mean, really do a lot for everybody involved. I know it certainly would for me. Yeah. No, I, I'd be, be great. I would love to do like a workshop with you guys. It would be awesome. Yes. Well, please. I will definitely reach out to you <laughs> okay. and, and discuss that further because I think that's a, a great idea. And it's it's honestly it would be a wonderful next step for what we're trying to do here. So okay. Cool. I will I will talk to you further about that. Thank you. All right. Well, we're, we kind of touched on it a little bit from the very get-go, but I'm going to ask you the question. With everything said 
what would you tell your younger self if you could go back and speak to him? <clears throat> if I could go back to my younger self, um, I think what I would say to myself is um, there is a brighter side. Don't give up and then create what you want to create. I like that. That's very empowering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Thomas. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on today. And I, I promise you, I'll keep in touch. All right, guys, there you have it. Yeah, I know we, we did go over 30 minutes, but hey, that's it was good. And it's like once we get going and there's just so much that we're going back and forth and interchanging and, and bantering, it, it was great. So uh, there you are. There's there's part two. And uh, maybe just force you to do a little bit you know, longer workout today. You were on the treadmill or whatever. So, hey, you got some extra uh, workouts, some extra calories that are burned. All right, guys. So once again, just remember, April 19th is the the next uh, workshop and live group coaching coming up. If it's something that you want to do, go up to the website, Safe Place for Men. And once again, just simply remember, of course, you are not alone. You're in a safe place. And remember, you're loved and cared for. 